we should rename our podcast. Now what happened? <laughs> right. <laughs> or how about just seriously? Now what? <laughs> What'd you do this time? Right. Now what or not? Yeah, no, no kidding. No, I'm not. Lucky for you, listeners, you have Life Coach Lori, the therapist of this program. Yes. Claire is the professor of this group. <laughs> and me, I'm the complainer. No, you're the hostess with the mostest. I'm just the gossip. But our, our little trio really works. Thanks to all of you downloading and listening every week. Where, where do we begin? Uh, look, we 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 all have we always have this plan. Where we're going to talk about something lighthearted and fun and whatever. But we can't because of the three of us, because of our backgrounds and the things that are important to us and what interests us to to talk about. We can't ignore the news of the day. And if the news would just stop for a few days, then we could do that. But unfortunately, the you know the world is continuing, and. Um, you know, we, we, after what seemed like a year where we didn't have too many of these mass shootings, and we'll get into that in a minute, we've had two in a week. And this latest was, one was in Boulder, Colorado, a place where I used to live. And, oh, gosh. Yeah, and where AJ is. Where AJ is now. Yeah, yes. He's in Fort Collins, not too far from there. Mm-hmm. This one is this this uh, young man. This one, again, is a, a man who's about, about 22 years old. The uh, guy from Atlanta was 21, right? Last week, the, the man who shot up the spas. Mm-hmm. Um, he was 21. Uh, this one, he's 22. Again, did did not seem to have a specific target of a person that he was after, just that he was angry about or confused or whatever about something. Looking back at his history of social media, there seems to be some paranoia, some mental illness about he was being followed, his phone was being tapped. What's interesting is that he follows Islam, but it's not what you think. It's not some alleged extremist who's doing something. He actually felt like he was being persecuted because of his faith. He was very devout and he felt like his phone was being tapped and his Facebook was being tapped because he is Muslim. But that's over and above and in addition to the fact that he he clearly has some kind of mental illness about the paranoia. And he was able to uh, very easily acquire this um, new kind of, it's new new to me, kind of assault weapon, which is basically an assault pistol, an AR-15 style, but in pistol form. He bought it just a few days ago, and then he went and did what he did. And, you know, unfortunately, a 51-year-old police officer was was killed. The first of the first responders died in the act. Again, like, like the guy last week in Atlanta, there was no, not that this would make it better, but there was no, I'm angry at this person or disgruntled at this workplace or... He just randomly chose a place to go and, and act out. Like he just felt like he had to kill someone. Yes. He just felt anger, despair, whatever he felt that he just had to go take lives. And, and, and sometimes I wonder in these situations, too, not all of them, but in a case like this, does, does the person get to that situation and do they have a moment of hesitation? Do they think... Why am I here? Am I just here for attention? And then maybe one person does or says something that pushes them to cross that line. I don't know. I really don't know. One other thing, but before we continue, um, I was listening to a radio program about this yesterday. And I was thinking to myself, wow, it's been a whole year without a mass shooting. And now we've had two. It hasn't been a whole year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The actual uh, legal definition of a mass shooting is four or more people that are injured by one person in one incident. And apparently... We have a lot of them. They just don't make the news. Right. 
It was an astounding number. I, I can't remember it, but I remember thinking, what? You know, in Colorado has more mass shootings per capita than all but four states. Uh, really? and, and I keep on, yeah, I, I mean, don't you feel like some of the higher profile shootings, mass shootings mm -hmm. has happened in Colorado and we're talking Columbine. Well, that was the first theater, one. Yeah. Aurora, that's right, um, that's right. You know, and, and this is, you know, since what, 1999. And, you know, now that you, Claire, said that you actually lived in Boulder, Colorado, I've been trying to find people who live in Colorado who've lived there for a long time. And I, I really couldn't find anyone. I actually do have a friend. We stayed in Colorado for like a week, but, you know, way back in the 90s, just visiting. And just from the handful of people that I've met, they're friendly. And our friend, um, Dave the Wave, shout out to Dave the Wave. He, Dave the Wave. Uh, <laughs> Dave the Wave. So he brought us skiing and took us to like Coors Brewery and um, <laughs> did everything right for us. He even took us to a planetarium to watch Star Wars. He like was able to <laughs> set that up. For, was, he was so good. But there was actually a time at a movie theater, this guy in the row right in front of us had very fast rage. <laughs> and I'm not going to say everybody in Colorado was like this or anything like that, but it was just odd that mm -hmm. we witnessed something like like someone who uh, was so triggered so fast for something really petty, I remember. But anyway, I, I guess I've been wanting to know, like, is there something that you might remember that doesn't surprise you that there are these many shootings that have happened in Colorado? Um, <laughs> Altitude? Honestly, my, my recollection of Boulder is the exact opposite of what you described. Really? Um, so no people are not friendly? No, their people are extremely friendly. No, you're, okay. you're saying is, is there something about Colorado that, that makes you, you know, people snap or whatever. Um, uh, my experience there was crazy. I was working for the Colorado Shakespeare Festival, which is on the campus of the University of Colorado Boulder. And, and this goes back several years, but it was a very sleepy little town. Only really, this is pre-John Bonet too. So this was like, they were most famous for the fact that Mork and Mindy took place there. So the big thing to do in Boulder was, besides rock climbing, was drive by the house where they filmed the, the front for Mork and Mindy and yelled <laughs> Nanu Nanu and all that, which was very cool. <laughs> but also Boulder is the home to something that's called the Naropa Institute, which is basically a Buddhist organization. There's a lot of like really cool, groovy, mellow, hippie people that hang out there. It was a real, real hippie town when I was there. And I can't even imagine anyone in the world doing anything other than peaceful in Boulder. And that's why these things always shock me because that was my experience of being there. And it wasn't, I'm not just talking about the student population. I mean, like all the people, you know, because there was a college there, but all the people who lived in Boulder just had that same groovy we make beads lots of wiccans like just that whole kind of vibe going on you know yeah and so this baffles me in that way yeah i i think okay so i've been so curious i've just been like what is going on what what is is doing this and so i looked up this I, i'm trying to find it it was about teen suicide over there. I was like, what, you know, is there unhappiness? Is there pressure for people to, you know, is there competition, so much competition or are people unwelcoming? Like so there were some people on, on Reddit mm -hmm. saying stuff like they don't like transplants, but I think that's with everywhere. Like here in Seattle, people don't like transplants. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> 
It's yeah, a, that's everywhere. Yeah. I'm wondering, is there more bullying or is there higher divorce rates, extramarital affairs or extreme racism, competitive, misog- you know, that kind of thing? Or uh, is it and, just and, easier to get guns there? Well, see, and that that's the conversation that everyone's been getting to. That, in fact, is the first conversation people are getting into is gun laws and, and stuff. And I guess I want to know, like, the heart of the matter, like, what... Like, why would somebody want to get the gun to, you know, shoot people up? Like, what's going on? What's going on? Before COVID, so between 2016 and 2019, the rate of teen suicides in Colorado, not just in the U.S., but only in Colorado, uh, went up 58%. Okay, so this is before 2020. Of course, COVID probably made it worse. Okay, and I don't want to even talk about COVID, like worsening Mm -hmm. things. I want to know what has been going on. So why did two teens decide they wanted to plan out this attack to a high school to their, I think it was their own high school, Mm -hmm. uh, shoot people up and put a bomb in there to try to get 100 more students. So I I just like, what? (laughs) What? I want to know why. And I did listen to Colorado Public Radio, this expert that um, said the first thing people go to is the gun laws. But people are also asking him, besides also the mental issue, okay, there's that too. But people are also asking, what is it? We want the answers like, what exactly is it that's going on in Colorado that's not going on anywhere else? And he said, it's not just one thing. It's it's a puzzle. So it's a bunch of pieces. And I wonder if you guys agree with that. Well, I have a question. Now, you're saying that rate of teen suicide went up 58% in Colorado. How does that compare with all the other states? They say so, and I am trying to find out. Let me see. Uh, Just need to do this. So in the past three years, teen suicide in Colorado rose from 12.9 to 20.4 deaths per 100,000 adolescents ages 15 to 19, according to the report. Overall, that rate puts Colorado as the sixth worst state. Uh, Nationally, the teen suicide rate is up 25%. Colorado's 2019 rate is nearly double that nationwide, 20.4, compared to 10.5. It's it's easy to get lost in these numbers. And, you know, if you just step back and think this is happening, they mentioned high levels of excessive drinking among women, high costs for infant child care, food insecurity, child deaths related to all that stuff. So I, I, I know I'm not doing it justice. I'm not doing all these numbers justice, but I I guess I'm just trying to, I just want to know what, what it could be about whatever's going on over there. I don't know. Um, maybe I'm right. not asking the right questions either, you know. I, I think you're you're asking a really interesting question. I really yeah. do. It, it And I, I don't want to be one-track mind about it. I just feel like, okay, I don't live there. I don't know every law. I don't know every socioeconomic status. I know there are states that are much poorer in socioeconomic status, and there are states that are much wealthier in socioeconomic status. I cannot imagine that there isn't an even spread of people whose parents are involved or not involved or divorced or not divorced or kids have access to drugs or don't have access to drugs. And the only thing I could think of is that it's easier to get the weapon with which to do it. I, I, I just, it, it's difficult for me to put my head around the fact that there's just something in the water, right? Mm-hmm. In this one state. Um, that's, I think that's why people like me and, and perhaps that's why you're frustrated, Anna, is you want something out. You want it. You want there to yeah. be something so you can fix it. You want, to, you want to find a solution, right? Like I want something tangible so I could right. just go, okay, let's take this right. And, right. and make Solved. it nice and smoothen <laughs> so, it out. And, right. Show all the kids, you know, babysitter's club when they're five and they'll, you know, like you want, mm-hmm. like what's one thing that, that will fix it? And I just, I, 
Lori could answer this better than I can because she's worked in this kind of field longer. But I don't know that there is a magic pill for what contributes to a child wanting to take their own life that is different in one state than it is in the other 49. Yeah. What occurs to me, besides the bullying issue, which I think is huge, is once you have a lot of teen suicide, then there's those kids that sort of make it this... I want to say fantasize. That's not the word. They kind of like highlight it. They romanticize it like Mm -hmm. it's a good thing. Uh, Also, a child's mind is not developed. So if they want to get even with someone in their mind, that's a really good way to do it. I don't remember this, but my grandmother died by suicide. I thought all my life, I said, this is I hate it that that happened, but we're safe now. Because really, who would do that when you've lived through it? And the statistics are, if you've had one suicide in your family, you're more than likely to have another. It blew me away. So I think there's something about escaping. So when you have a high rate of it, immature teen minds go, wow, that's the way out. I don't know that that's true, but that's what I'm wondering, because along with bullying, because kids get to the point where they're like, I just can't do this anymore. People don't believe them or all these well-meaning parents. You have to tell somebody or they go to the school. Well, what happens? It only makes it worse. It never, even with all the bullying work we've done, it never makes it better to go to an adult. Isn't that frustrating? It really doesn't. frustrating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it might have been just last week, Lori, you were talking about how sometimes the example of parents make a difference. And so I don't I forgot what the example was, but that could extend out to bullying as well. Like, oh, yeah, it's okay to bully this person because of his political beliefs or, you know, I don't know if parents need to do something either. Again, I want that tangible solution. If we get that (laughs) tangible solution, it can't happen to us, right? And that, that's what we fear. You know, how do we protect the kids around us when we don't know why this is happening? It's so scary. And like Anna, what we were referring to is if a parent's with their children and they see something not good happening and they don't say anything, it's like they're affirming it. And yeah. so it's speaking up mm-hmm. of the parents speaking up. But when you're alone with your kids, how many times do you swear? And then all of a sudden you hear the little kid, the two-year-old in the back of the car going, oh, shit, right? Because we don't pay <laughs> right. attention when we're home. Mm-hmm. So if we have racist tendencies, if we mm-hmm. are a bully, this is what the kids are seeing. And then we're turning around and telling them not to do it, you know, because yeah. there's still a generation of people that seriously believe anyone with a different color of skin than us is lower, is not as mm-hmm. human as we are. So you think those are the grandparents right now and kids are overhearing this. Now, if you're a teenager, you're going to tell your grandma to wise up or your grandpa, you know, but there is still that. And so what goes on in the home is so much more important, I think, than people realize, because that's when we let down our hair, we gossip, we let all of our bad stuff hang out and kids see this. And I'm, and I'm no saint. My kids, I'm sure they saw a lot of things. But I think that when we talk about bullying, I feel like we all need to go and start with the parents. Go help the parents. If there's a kid at school that's bullying, maybe something's going on at home. And maybe that family needs a little bit of wraparound services, a little bit of help. But they have to realize it. You know, how many, how many teachers do you know that have these conferences and 
there's the denial and the not my kid mm-hmm. and it's it, and they may not it not even in, in a in a in a an antagonistic way yeah. just a non-believing way or um, not no, only not bones the one that are antagonistic right not only not my kid but not my job teachers will tell you there's a certain amount of parents that are like not my job mm-hmm. it's your job yeah wow yeah. that really yes right. really i'm hearing that a lot mm-hmm And, you know, the pandemic has put pressure on everyone. But like Anna said, this article was before in Colorado. And they even keep asking the question, what's going on? But they don't answer it. Nobody's answering this question. And Anna, I think your love for sociology is what's spurring this. And I feel like there needs to be, I mean, we're doing all these surveys. Kids are cleaning more during COVID or people are not getting divorced. Why don't you find out why suicide? Why not find that? Do a survey on that. We don't care if kids are cleaning more. Let's find out why they're not wanting to live. But it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like the dollars are going into those kind of surveys. This expert was also saying how worried he gets when they talk about taking away the mental health counseling at schools and access, of course, is critical. And this report found that half of young people ages 3 to 17 in Colorado didn't get needed mental health counseling. And again, this is before 2020. So that's part of the conversations people are having too, is that what is going on with the mental health care part of it? Yeah. But so there are those who turn to self-violence, and then there are those who turn to violence against others, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. what is that? What is that 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 makes you think this feeling that I'm feeling requires me to have violence against others? And what what can I go yeah. and obtain that will do the most damage to that? A knife? Sure. A vehicle? Horrible, right? Mm-hmm. How about mm-hmm. a weapon that shoots many, many, many things before anyone can stop it? You know, the argument is, well, you can't, I can take a car and do a lot of damage to people too. And we're not regulating cars in that way. Mm-hmm. I can take a knife and we're not regulating knives in that way. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people use that as an excuse for the, for the weapon. And, you know, this man was 22. Uh, mm-hmm. The one in Atlanta was 21. They're of legal age. And there's what, a, you know, at the most, a three-day waiting list to, to, to get some kind of weapon. Um, it's just these these types of weapons, this being able to shoot these multiple rounds, you know, take somebody who's never owned a weapon in their life and they walk into a sporting goods store and three days later they have the ability to do this. Or, you it, know, it just doesn't feel right. No, but kids talk, too. And so everybody knows whose parents has guns. And if they're locked up, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Columbine, the family had guns. Right. They were Sandy right in the house. Right. Yeah. The Sandy Hook was the kids' gun, the family guns. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, I haven't been around the video world in a while since my kids were growing up. When we look at TV and we look at video games, they're violent and our kids are getting desensitized. You kill somebody and they get right back up. So there might be a little bit of, we, we try to rationalize it, but anybody doing something like this isn't going to have a rational mind. But if they've mm-hmm. been watching movies or playing these games where there's so much violence, you almost can't get away from it. But if a kid maybe has a different kind of mindset, they might be affected differently and, and they might get so desensitized that they don't even they don't have that compassion that it would affect how it would affect people in their lives. Right. A disconnect. Right. Disconnect. That's it. Yeah. yeah. 
when kids are teenagers, they need us more. And, you know, a lot of people are working and they struggle with that, but they're like, okay, the kids are older, they're on their own, but kids are lonely. And when I worked for Big Brother, Big Sister, that was the biggest thing that kept coming up in the research is kids are lonely. You talk about mentorship a lot, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just, uh, you know, just fascinating um, the conversation you had um with the woman who runs the organization. It might have, might have been your daughter. Actually. It was. <laughs> yeah. Talking about, you know, the the number one skill, the number one job requirement of a mentor is just be there consistently. Right. That's it. That's all. Show up. Your, number, your number one job is just be there consistently. And then if you can be a positive role model in your everyday life, that helps too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it I could see that. But here's the thing. Now, again, I'm not a parent, but here's my take on teenagers. They don't want you to talk to them. You talk to teenagers and they roll their eyes and they walk away and they don't want anything to do with you. And yet at the <laughs> same time, that behavior itself is a cry for help. Right. How do you do that? So I always put up my hands like one hand is like stop and then the other one's facing me and it's come here. It's like when they get to be teenagers, they want you, but they don't. And part of the problem is letting go of the control. So if we can show up and let them make their own decisions and not be controlling, then they're at the age where they're starting to separate and make decisions. But if we're showing up and telling them what to do because we think we're so smart, which a lot of us do, we give unsolicited advice, we want to solve everyone's problems, and we've been through stuff. Still, if we're willing to listen and just be there and maybe not even talk, but just be present. Could other things... Could other things be part of, I don't know, even know how to describe it. Like, is it like unhappiness? Okay, let's just call it unhappiness. I don't know what else to call it. But could some unhappiness be happening due to like maybe social pressures? Introverts might have been loving COVID yeah. <laughs> because they have an excuse not to do what everybody else is doing. And again, I'm seeing some people like admitting, yeah, COVID's been like heaven, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So Things are opening up. I don't know even if that's even the right thing to say is that things are opening up and now the shootings are happening. I I don't even want to go there, but could pressures, social pressures or the whole pressure of needing to compete and all that stuff is, could that be a factor? I don't know how to ask it. Yeah. I interviewed (laughs) uh, the superintendent of public schools in Granite Falls and it's going to air this weekend. COVID has been so tough. Of course, teen suicide rate is up. Well, he shared with his staff, nobody knew this, but his wife had died by suicide. Now, she had had some mental issues, but it was very unexpected. He said one of the things that he says to students a lot is tomorrow needs you. And he said, when you have that idea of suicide, it's a fleeting thought. So if you can hang in there, You will get to the other side, but often people don't know that because especially with teens, they haven't experienced that horrible things have happened and wow, look at this, I'm happy again, even though two years ago it was the worst year of my life. So teens don't have that experience. All they know is life is too hard and I can't stand it. They can't understand there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And so he Mm -hmm. says, you know, what he's trained his staff is to say tomorrow needs you. I like that. Tomorrow needs you. Tomorrow yeah. needs you. Yeah. And to That's recognize nice. anybody, you know, if we recognize stuff, to ask the questions, and they may not tell us, but they may give us enough signs that we could say, hey, you want me to come over, you know? Because if it's a fleeting thought and someone's struggling and we go sit with them for two hours, chances are it's going to pass. 
So if we see right. or think it, maybe if we just show up. <laughs> okay, that's one of the things they tell you that in training when you're answering, you know, suicide hotlines is a good portion of the people who are calling just need someone to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could save a life just by picking up that phone. Um, and you may not even talk, they may not end up talking to you about what it is that's bothering them. They may mm-hmm. just need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I like that phrase, tomorrow needs you. That's good. If a family isn't familiar with mental illness, like if it's not in their history and then a kid is showing signs, they don't know what to do. And it might be too scary to ask for help for a while. So I think the more awareness that we have and the more we're able to talk freely about issues and that people aren't, there's no stigma with it, you know, that Mm -hmm. I think we could go a long way by, I don't want to say normalizing, but making it a conversation, even if it's hard. And this generation, kids that are growing up now or, or, you know, in some cases, their parents, if they're younger parents, have become so much more tolerant and open to the differences in the world. I'm thinking, you know, specifically of like transgender issues and that type of thing, but also, you know, multiculturalism. They're so open to those kinds of discussions where when you even get into the younger part of it, you know, like my nieces and nephews, these things are just normal everyday life. Right. And yet yet mental illness and still has that 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 stigma or that you know well we can't talk about that yet mm-hmm. i would i'd like to think that there is hope in this generation that pretty soon they'll be just as open and a mm-hmm. lot of them are to to talking about these issues as well i mean my god look at the work that the kids from um Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in um, Florida did after the shooting at the at the high school there, Parkland. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those kids really just sort of uh, changed the landscape of how people think about gun violence, but also they really opened the door to mental illness and yeah. mm-hmm. experiencing things in this particular case retroactively because of how they were processing the things that had happened to them and their feelings about it, not so much about how the gunman was feeling, but about how they felt as a result. But I do think that there is hope that people will start to to feel more open about talking about this. Now, it's possible that you can talk a good game about someone else. I'm here for you. I will help you. I will listen to you and not be able to seek that help for yourself. And I think that's probably Mm. pretty pretty Lori, have you experienced that with professionals you've worked with where they themselves have gotten into trouble and didn't know how to reach out yeah absolutely yeah and then also i don't know if you guys ever saw this do you guys know what ted talks are of course yes mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. sue i think it's Ky- Clybald. her son was the columbine shooter and she gets up and tells her story and she's she's a good person it was a good family you know so it's like we can't yeah. say that kids from bad families or right things like that but yeah there's so much secrecy and when you hear about uh, for instance i was just listening to a podcast a woman who grew up in a home with a older brother who was what they found out later he had this disease that you had to eat all the time so when puberty hit if he couldn't get food he was going in the garbage and the mom was oh. depressed so the younger sister was trying to do everything and the mom was like don't you ever tell anyone and so this poor girl's trying to live her life and keep this big secret when all mom had to do is just ask for help. But she wow. just sentenced everyone to secrecy. And it's oh, so yeah. sad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, I think that is a big problem is there are a lot of parents that would rather everything be silenced than to deal with the 
the root of the problems. That is a big one, Lori. That, that is so big. Well, and that's so unfortunate. It is. And a lot of fears are unjust. So, you know, I worked with the homeless. Well, these ladies yeah. would come into Esther's and they wouldn't give us our name because they were living in their car and they knew if we got their name, we would call CPS and they would lose their kids. And I would tell them, I even had posters from the school. Your children will not be taken away if you live in a car. In fact, there's a whole part of the school that will help you get free lunches and probably even be able to get you uh, hotel vouchers. But they didn't know that. So they were erring on the side of I'm going to lose my kids and I'm a failure, too. You know, and I think that that's where if we could spread the news and tell people instead of living in fear, ask for help. You know, and there are those cases where people ask for help and they're misunderstood their kids get taken away that has happened but that's not the norm yeah you know and it's hard I was a single mom I had to ask for help and then I had to accept the help I wanted to Mm -hmm. be the helper I didn't want to be yeah and I could see that (laughs) you want to be the one to help yeah Mm -hmm. so and it's hard Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. hard but living in secrecy does not serve anybody And that's where with pedophiles and with if a child's suffering sexual abuse in a home, they're silenced and they're threatened. Yes. Mm -hmm. So can I can I I want to sidetrack a little bit about um, Susan Klebold. Yeah. Um, I am forever amazed by people like that Mm -hmm. who turn horrible tragedy and find some inner strength to help others um i'm thinking of like elizabeth smart who was kidnapped as a as a pre-teenager and held for six months in a uh, and you know sexually assaulted by someone in sort of a cult situation and came out on the other end of that as someone who no one would blame her if if she just you know lived her life uh, in secret. And she has become an advocate um, for children who, who survived those situations. There was a gentleman I knew when I lived in Savannah, Georgia, whose son was a musician and he was uh, an artist and he was killed in a drunk driving accident. He wasn't driving the, uh, he was killed by a drunk driver and he founded a a music and art festival in the kid's name and, and has endowed thousands of dollars in scholarships to, to college, you know, young high school and college kids. I just, the strength of people like that who turn tragedy into, oh, uh, Miss uh, Judy Shepard, the mother of Matthew Shepard, a gay man who was hung on a fence in Wyoming and and killed. She has founded a major organization to help teenagers, suicide prevention and and other things. And I just... um, uh, what whatever those people are made of is is really extraordinary. Yeah, it is. In fact, we have our own person here at the radio station. Some of you know her. Her name is Tina Mitchell. She comes across as this totally together person. She's a mortgage broker, I think. But she has a story and a past. She has turned her tragedy into triumph, and she's helping other people. But what happened was she didn't want to tell her story. She went to help at this—it was a woman's shelter, but someone from work was going to be there, and they asked her, would she share her story? And she's like, but someone at work will know, and they'll judge me, and I'll be ruined. But what yeah. happened was the it got a hold of her, and she told her story. Well, the woman that was there that knew her from work was so blown away, and what she realized is, oh, my gosh, I told my story, and they love me even more. I thought they would totally— You know, because she had been on drugs and, you know, all this stuff. And so telling our story can really help others and those people that are brave enough to do it. That's what I love about working with people in recovery. They've got to tell their story. Yeah. 
And they're not always pretty stories. They're overcoming. And that way, the next person coming out of drug addiction will go, well, if they could do it, I can do it. And the more people from different walks of life share their stories, the more opportunity you have to see yourself in them. Yes. Um, Role modeling in 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 times of trouble as well as times of good. Yeah, um, I think it's so important. Because we're not alone. I remember mm-hmm. when my husband left me for a man, it was before the Internet. And I would get phone calls from people saying, hey, it happened to my girlfriend. Can she call me? And I'm like, please. You know, they never did. But that's why I wanted to tell my story is I wanted people to know I didn't want to slam my husband. I didn't want to make this into something about being gay. It was about how do you go on when your marriage falls apart and you're a single mom? How do you keep the kids so that they respect both of you? Telling our story and being overcomers is a big deal. But for some reason, I think a lot of us feel shame until we actually tell it. And then Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I may have just saved a life or I may have just helped somebody. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Help somebody or or at least a burden lifted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember there was a teacher at my kid's school that came later. I met her uh, probably like five years after it happened. She took me aside one day and she goes, hey, I heard you're the one that I'm like, oh, great. She's the one whose husband, you know, and she said, my husband left me, but we're not allowed to tell anyone that he's with a guy. And then she started telling me all these things that were like mirror images of what I went through. Mm. Privately, we got to laugh our heads off because you've got to get that release. They're not things we yeah. would ever say in public or certainly in not in front of our kids, but it was a way to vent. I think it's almost when medics and cops have that sick humor because otherwise yeah. they would be so serious. And right. I tell you, that woman, just knowing that somebody else had experienced it, because this is what a lot of people said to me. Well, at least it was a man. It wasn't a woman. And I'm like, well, I could have competed with a woman. You know, (laughs) people don't know. And so when you find someone that walked through it, it's not like, yay, but yay, she did too. But it's like, oh, you get it. Somebody understands. Yeah. Well, I, I love that you guys have been talking about people coming out of it from the other side and doing okay at this point. And I also wanted to tell you about maybe how to help the more recent mass shooting victims, the families for sure. There is something called the Colorado Healing Fund, coloradohealingfund.org. These are the folks that issue payments to the victims advocate organizations. They work directly with the victims of the mass tragedy, including the one that just happened wow. uh, over in Boulder, because, you know, they, they were never prepared for this, right. you know, so uh, funeral costs, they help prepare the memorial services, things that happen all of a sudden, they thought they were going to have their family members back home with them. And so these folks help them through it financially, as well as support. So coloradohealingfund.org. I am going to send that to AJ because, you know, this last thing that happened, he got on and he talked for about 10 minutes about, can't we be nice? You know, a lot of people are feeling that pressure of people not being nice. It's fear. It's worry. It's whatever. He's like, just say hi. And that's AJ. You know, he's just so friendly and so wonderful. I just thought it was interesting that he actually did what he could do. And Mm -hmm. he put out a pep talk, you know. He, he's usually really upbeat and and he was passionate, but yes. he was he had a disappointment in his voice. Yes. Um, I've never seen him that way. And it was it was nice to see his passion for humanity, yes. basically. Yeah. To, yeah. To be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, I had a, a real disappointment in humanity yesterday. Really? Um, 
I was doing uh, newscasts for a, a small town in the Midwest. There was a, um, the local police department put up a Facebook post, which police department will do as a, as a public information tool now, essentially talking about a, a man who had barricaded himself inside a home with, with some weapons. And it was a police standoff. It was going on for several hours. Sometimes in these things, there, believe it or not, will be information within the Facebook post in the comments. Someone may add a detail. An official person may add a detail or even a neighbor who, who lives in the neighborhood will talk about a road being closed. And so I found myself reading this Facebook thread and there were so many really awful things that people were saying about this man who I don't believe they knew just about the situation hmm. or about the police officers and how they handle themselves and the government this and blah, 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 blah. And I was so, and I had to, it's not that I had to read them. I chose to read some of them because I was scanning to see if there was anything useful. And ultimately I stopped because there were like 200 comments and I'm like, I, uh, there's no way I'm going to get through this. And I was just really aghast at, at people. I don't know if people are mean, if they're bored, if they think they're funny, if there's just a, a, a disconnect, like you were saying before with the video games, maybe Facebook is a video game for adults, but mm. these are wow. real human lives and there's every every reason to believe that this particular gunman was on facebook at the time because he had put out a message to his neighbors sort of an anti-police message but he's obviously monitoring the situation and if you really care about this man whether you're pro-police anti-police whatever you are keep your thoughts to yourself i yeah. mean really mm -hmm. um yeah. now you know it would be nice if maybe the police had disabled the comments on that feature mm -hmm. they they probably could have done that but this is a small town and they probably don't have a lot of people they don't have a social media guru handy to even know how to do that right, right? yeah um so mm -hmm. i'm always glad of, of aj and people like him who who remind us that for the most part we really do believe that people are good mm -hmm. um, yes. there's just a few bad apples that seem to get the attention yeah, yeah. well today you know the uh something about the gun law they can't carry in public. I, I'm trying to remember uh, that came across Twitter this morning. Same thing. The remarks were flying in either direction and there's some really appalling comments. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I'm thinking of our talk last week and I'm like, is it my job to go in and correct every one of those? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I want to, but on the other hand, I would have to monitor it all day and right. I, it's so appalling. It's it's so appalling that I just, how can people still think in such bad terms? It, it's just right. so sad. Mm -hmm. and, and if you did, all they would do was come at you with some sort oh, of schoolyard, yeah. you know, schoolyard bully response disguised as fact. Yeah. Right. Oh, and, yes. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, so, I no, don't. I don't want to be afraid to stand up. So uh, that was right. my concern was if I did it, I would want to commit to it and right. be there. I did think, yeah, it's, it's probably going to come back with something really awful, but we have to stand up. We have to say no more. You can't talk like this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's so appalling. And, you know, it's a news station. So, of course, I'm sure they can't monitor every comment. And right. It's, it's interesting. It seems like anything anybody talks about somehow 
veers off to totally different directions. Yeah. Suddenly it turns political, you right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then people start bashing each other and it just turns into something totally different than what it should be. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Right. And yeah. uh, along those lines, Anna, so, you know, people make laws. So there was a big problem with people committing their family members or, you know, they'd marry someone, get their money and get them committed. So they changed oh a lot of the laws. Wow. So now the result, the opposite of that is we can't get anybody committed. So it's almost like so many things that we do out of the goodness of we want good things end up turning around because we don't understand the whole ramifications of what could happen. And I think sometimes even the best intentions can turn out in not a good way. And it's not that you, you know, I mean, I just, I see that like in, in 4-H, you know, we'd see the parents, somebody would fall off their horse. So the kids have to wear helmets. Well, that's a good thing. But then, you know, another kid falls off their horse. So now nobody can move fast outside of the arena. Well, you know, you're in a fairgrounds, people are going to move, but people want to create all these laws to keep everybody safe and safety is good, but it's not always the best thing. There's people that take risks and, and what do we want to watch on TV? people swinging from the space needle (laughs) so it's where is that balance (laughs) to keep everybody safe and that also that how do we live our life you know my youngest he'd be walking on a log on the beach that's you know six feet up you don't say be careful you're just like oh well at least he's falling in sand you know (laughs) (laughs) right yeah (laughs) i want to know about these people swinging off the space needle well, <laughs> or or washing windows or, you know, skydiving. Well, that's a or, job. Yeah. <laughs> I think okay. you've got to be pretty. I you were saying that they were just choosing to just <laughs> randomly swing on <laughs> Like, why don't I see pictures of these? Bungee it be, jumping. <laughs> it should be on TikTok. Yeah. I'm sure next week there will be someone. <laughs> Remember, there's someone had a drone. Give me the idea. Yeah. <laughs> that show, listen and learn or not, we learned right. something. Oh, good marketing. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. I do also want to turn it to the good things that we saw out of the bad. We don't want to ever want to see these things happen. Uh, and I'm talking about the shooting, but the uh, supermarket in which it happened, the supermarket's workers did their best to get customers to safety that day. They grabbed everybody they could and they brought them to the back room or to areas of the store to hide uh, somewhere through the back dock. Mm. And this is, of course, after these poor grocery workers have already been through hell, right? working through COVID for Mm -hmm. a year. Just want to give a shout out to those heroes right there. By the way, there's one that you guys may not have heard of. Uh, This happened in Atlanta yesterday. Also, there was another situation where a a man walked into a grocery store in a a really uh, crowded midtown kind of residential neighborhood with a long gun and wearing like, you know, flak jacket or whatever. And he walked to the back of the store and went into the restroom. And while he was doing that, they called police. The store workers got all of the people out of harm's way. And by the time the man came out of the bathroom, the police grabbed him, did all this other stuff. So again, (gasps) store workers who like- Pay attention. You see something, say something and you act. Um, Yeah. And fortunately this guy was stopped before he did anything. And we don't even know that he would have done anything other than he was making some sort of statement. Although 
uh, further investigation found he had several uh, weapons uh, <sighs> nearby as well. So it, it's likely that something um, drastic got, got thwarted there. Wow. Um, yeah. Like you said, it, it's not enough that grocery workers have to do everything they do every day anyway, lifting heavy things and getting repetitive motion, but now they have to clean everything all the time and wear masks and right. remind <laughs> people to not walk the wrong way down the aisle and now... <laughs> and look for guns. <laughs> and look for guns and public yeah. safety. It's like, come on, you know? I got to do a traffic report really quick. Okay. okay. <laughs> in Federal Way, all the way past the T-Dome. Traffic every 20 minutes for your commute. I'm Lori on AM 880-KIXI. Okay. Hello? What Hi. is that? That's me filling dog water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I waited. I, I thought we were on a little break there because of the traffic Good report. work. No. I, just... I saw that my dogs were thirsty. And Aww. So I should have said, loud noise warning. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I love it that you guys both brought up, you know, the, the lighter side because it is easy to spiral out of control mm. thinking about this because it is right now it feels unsolvable and I think we have to have a blend of looking at the good, but still not putting our head in the sand. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. Right. Okay. Here's another thing. This is not the lighter side for the people involved in this, <laughs> but I just want to say that this week, a giant cargo ship about the size of the oh. Empire State Building, if it were, you know, horizontal, yesterday somehow managed to get himself stuck in the Suez Canal and is completely blocked the Suez Canal, which is a major, major seaport for goods and services and oil and all kinds of things. And he sort of got grounded and it's like, not grounded like he's in trouble, like, oh, he's in trouble, but he grounded the ship and it's wedged in there and it might take days or even weeks to move it. And I just want to say, no matter how bad a day you have at work, maybe you deleted a spreadsheet or you accidentally hit reply all on a company email, at least you didn't entirely block the Suez Canal with the boat. <laughs> <Wow>. Perspective. <laughs> right. Perspective. No one is hurt. I'm not making fun of anybody hurt. I'm sorry for all the money that's being lost. I feel really bad for the captain of that ship. <laughs> no kidding. And they've been trying. Nothing's worked. Right. It's like when you, like, like when it's icy out and your wheels spin, so you put down some cat litter and that didn't work. And then, and then you put down some cardboard and that didn't work. And then you borrowed your neighbor's shovel and that didn't work. Imagine that only much bigger. You know, that's what happens when trucks get stuck under uh, overpasses. Mm, yes. And one oh time God. when I was with my at my brothers and uh, it was when he lived in Kentucky, this happened. And some little kid was in a they were in a car next to it. And he's like, let the air out of the tires. <laughs> like, what? And they did. And they got it unstuck. And it worked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just needed a few inches. That's I guess. right. <laughs> wow. I know. Maybe we need a kid to go and figure it out. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Just put more water in the ocean. Yeah. Right? <laughs> or kitty litter. No, wait. Kitty litter. Uh, put the air out of that ship. <laughs> Add more air to it. Yeah. I think they, they were saying that they could unload. If they started unloading the cargo, it would lighten the ship and it might, you know, float a little higher. They're like, oh, well, that'll take too long. And I'm like, at, at what point does that'll take too long? 
start to be the best idea. Right. <laughs> you know, like, like if you said that'll take too long two days ago and you started, you might be done by now. <laughs> is it is it messing with sea life at all i oh i imagine the sea life is back there laughing its ass off. Are you kidding? <laughs> for a hundred hundred whatever years all those sea lions and whales and whatever the hell's go goes back through that canal has been watching those ships go by and polluting their waterways yeah and they're probably like yeah that's cool yeah. Can you pop popcorn underwater? Right. Yeah, a year from now, they'll they'll be like, okay, start button up against it. We'll get it switched. We'll get it twisted. Right. <laughs> and they had a scuba diver. They'll all they'll hear is ha ha. <laughs> right. Exactly. Wait, where is that coming from? <laughs> you know who could solve this is Aquaman. <laughs> oh, yes, he can. Give him a call. He could call all the sea animals to push that ship. Exactly. All the whales and maybe get some octopi to pull on it. Yeah. (laughs) All you hear is... (laughs) (laughs) Whatever Aquaman's sounds are. (laughs) 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 Do you you remember the Wonder Twins? Yes! (laughs) Wonder Twin power activate! Shape off! (laughs) Form up an iceberg! (laughs) <laughs> and, and and that that water was always purple that the ice was always purple or the pail yep. of water always purple and they had always eyeballs purple. and a face yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, always they always had eyeballs on a face yes absolutely yeah were they supposed to be donnie and marie <laughs> you know claire <laughs> i'm calling marie <laughs> Anna, were they, by this sing- time next were week? they singers? They had a monkey. <laughs> they, ha- oh, they had a monkey. Did the audience have a monkey? Chip Chim. No, wait, not Chim Chim. That was from Speed Racer. Who was it? Who was the monkey? <laughs> they had a monkey, right? It was, and the monkey was also purple. <laughs> wow. Did, did either of you watch they there is the Justice League um um movie that was like sort of the remake of the original oh that freaking Snyder cut thing that everybody's talking about yes my god it's like 4 hours long what? yeah i can't wait till we're done talking about that did you watch it are you into that i don't I, think I, I watched it and i didn't i saw the original I watched one it, but i fell asleep oh. <laughs> <laughs> was was the original one like 5 years ago uh, it was like it was like maybe three even four less. Ago, three or four years yeah. ago, it was said it was said to be one of the worst superhero movies ever, ever anywhere. It was horrible. Right. It was like it was already like three two and a half hours long, and they said it was bad because they took the the director's decisions away from him. And so this was supposed to be the savior that the director, original director, came in. He's the writer too. He fixed the whole thing, but now it's four hours long. So I don't they... get how you make a bad two and a half hour movie into a good four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Less is more. Here's, here's what the difference was. I think, if I remember correctly, from the original to this one, and what I was awake for, um, <laughs> it, it seemed more violent. The images were more violent. Uh, there was a lot more bloodshed. And man, f bombs! I don't remember Batman dropping f bombs. Yeah, no. Pow. So, so yeah, they. <laughs> it, it should have been probably rated R, <laughs> or whatever. Um, it wasn't. I don't know. Maybe it was. I didn't pay attention. But here's where I'm going with this. I uh, It's not Marvel, but DC, right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. So if they do this right, they would eventually, and in the near future, add the Wonder Twins. 
I want a real life Wonder Twins. <laughs> see, I would I would watch the Snyder Cut for that extra hour and a half if they brought the Wonder Twins. Mm. Yeah, yeah, agree. Now maybe they did because remember I was asleep through some of it, but I don't think I don't think they did because I think everybody would have told me. I think they they realize at this point that that's all I want are the Wonder Twins. <laughs> right? Guess what oh, Anna's yeah. going to be for Halloween? <laughs> I don't have a twin. <laughs> I will. I will drive up there on Halloween and go with you as the other one. Are you kidding me? Done. That would be so heavenly. Done and done. But here's the thing. Do we wear our blue unitards or do we come shaped like something? <laughs> we, come the, of, we come with no, the purple face. unitards, by yeah. the way. Right. And we, we, uh, we acted out. We acted out. I love that. We could we be. We go, twin powers, activate. We, we do the fist. Form up, uh-huh. and then we have to have the background. <laughs> what if we did Wonder Triplets? <gasps> Let's do it. You could be hey, the monkey. No. <laughs> yeah, somebody could be the. I'll be the monkey. They, <laughs> they made me dress up as uh, what? What? What were we that year? We were the um. Gosh. Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, that one. Yeah. Yes. Who were you? I don't remember. I had a pink face she and was a the white pink lady. Yeah, the pink girl that pink was um. Girl part of the uh that was the person's assistant God, I forgot right, her name. right well i made sue's outfit and she was hot <gasps> she was gamora yes and she oh she played it well, well she did she pictures. looked just like her mm-hmm. let's get get these pictures up people and i was nebula yes no, anna was nebula uh-huh. we do have the picture somewhere bold and purple <laughs> i was bald and purple uh-huh who got to be Groot? Um, no one got to be Groot, but I don't think you remember Travis. Yeah. Um, he was before your time, but Travis and was before my time three years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Travis and Jennifer, right? No, just Travis. Oh, Travis was, was um, he was the guy, the main character. Yeah, the cassette guy. Darren, get your love. <laughs> Star Lord. Oh why am I? Who is it? Star Lord. Star Lord. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why. All these too many superheroes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we should have had a, a Groot. Yeah. That would have been awesome. Would have been cool. Yeah. Halloween's cool. a big deal here unless there's COVID. Don't worry, there'll yeah. be a remake. There'll be there'll be a reboot of Guardians of the Galaxy probably within a year or two, because that's what we do now is re-reboot everything. Yeah. And then we can Groot it up. <laughs> well, and then every every old show has a baby now. Baby Yoda, baby Groot. Uh, right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there's gonna be a baby Ewok. <laughs> <laughs> or Wookiee. What what was he? Was he a Wookiee? Star Wars? Ewoks? Wookiee. No, the, right, but Wookiee was the big guy. The big guy that was bigger oh, Chewy. than... Oh, Chewy. Chewy. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Chewy. Right, we do need a baby, he baby is a Chewy. Wookie. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's a Wookiee. Wait, there's a baby Chewy? Well, we need one, don't we? <laughs> that would be so rocking. I know. He'd still be six feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to be a baby. I want him to be... Little, but like a little baby voice (laughs) with a a diaper. (laughs) That's a great idea. Dear Mandalorian, please please introduce a baby. Love, Lori. P.S. Make him wear a diaper. (laughs) Love the Wonder Twins with their monkey. (laughs) The Wonder Triplets. Oh my God. Okay, ladies, I got to go to work. Okay. Right. She's got to fly. Time for her to fly. Got to go tell people where to go. Shape of a red tail hawk. <laughs>
<laughs> oh no, I almost snorted. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you so much, ladies, for making it a better day for me yes. <laughs> and for all of us. Thank you. I, so I much, needed that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we didn't have the answers, but we have. We've started the we conversation. Have, we always yeah. have something. Yes. Yep. Yeah. There's always something. Well, don't forget to rate our podcast. Give us five How star. Yep. We five want a five stars. star. And what should they do with our podcast, Claire? They should recommend it to someone they love or someone who could use it. Or someone they yes. hate. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> take care, everyone, and take care of you. We love you. This- <laughs> we love you. We love you. Like Barney the Dinosaur. I love you. You love me. My boy's saying it. I hate okay. you. You hate me. <laughs> now you can recommend it to someone you hate. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There we you go. Officially crossed that line. <laughs> well, this is Listen and Learn or Not. not. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>